Shapeshifters. Tonight's shapeshifter is held up as a guy. It depends on which side of the political or the labor spectrum you sit on. Probably one of the most evil people in the country, if you don't like labor broking. Uh, if you're in the corporate sector and you do like to outsource your labor needs, well, then he's something of a savior uh, for your bottom line. His name is Richard Pike. He is the chief executive of AdCorp. He joined, he was appointed as chief executive of AdCorp in two. 2001. He joined uh, as Deputy Chief Executive in 2000. He came out of a company called Acumen Holdings. It was a listed company on the JSE. He co-founded that in 1995. Have you been in the sort of headhunting space all your life? Not all my life, um, uh, Bruce. Uh, I'm a chartered accountant by profession. Bless you. And, uh, yeah, bless me. <laughs> <laughs> and worked in the profession for five years, which included my articles, and then went into the mining timber industry. So I came out of a mine supply company. And then got into a training business in 1995, which was a forerunner to Acumen, as you mentioned. And that was, um, we represented the University of Warwick in South Africa, offering, offering their master's degree programs in engineering business management in South Africa. And that became the precursor to, um, to getting into recruitment and, and combining recruitment and training. Uh, which became Acumen, which got sold to AdCorp, and uh, the rest is history, as you mentioned. But you've been chief executive for an awfully long time. I mean, by chief executive standards, um, compared to Leslie Marsdorf, for example, at Advertech, um, <laughs> you've been there forever. You make me feel old. Uh, yeah, it's interesting when I originally took the job, uh, and it wasn't an automatic thing. I was offered the job, and I thought about it long and hard, and I thought, did I really want to do this? And uh, I kind of uh, chunked my life into five-year time horizons, and I thought, well, I'll do it for five years. And as you said, that was 14 years ago. And I'm on my third five-year contract, of which uh, another two years still has to run. So uh, I'll hopefully be at least for 16 years and, and with a bit of luck, a, a, a couple of years beyond that. Um, the idea of recruitment, I mean, how does AdCorp look in 2001 when you take it over? What is, what is, what is its focus? Uh, AdCorp had been um, grown with, with sort of Bostick and sticky tape. It, it was a, a whole lot of little acquisitions, so small little recruitment businesses, Lots and lots of brands, lots of very important individuals who started those businesses. So lots of and, niches and lots of yeah. lots of chiefs and not many yeah. Indians. And, and uh, exactly, and there were thirty six brands at that point in time. But what was interesting is that it was very profitable, but actually not generating cash, and its whole survival was actually threatened at that stage. So when I took over in two thousand and one. Little benign to me, I became a turnaround guy. And what we did in 2001 is we um, – and by the way, it wasn't just in recruitment. It was into things like public relations and graphic design and advertising and all kinds of stuff. And so what we did is we rallied the whole organization around one simple measure, which was cash, on the basis that if a company generates cash, its sustainability and its survival is assured – and also, if you generate cash, your chances are you will be profitable. So it was putting the horse before the cart. I think most organizations chase profit first and worry about cash second. So, And, and that's a mantra that's still chanted in our organization today. If you come into our organization, we're very, very focused on cash generation because a cash compounding business is, as I say, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a survivor, it's sustainable, and also cash gives you options. Mm, absolutely. And we'll talk about how you're exercising those options in a couple of minutes' time. Give me a picture then, 2001, you go through a tidy up phase at what point are you then wholly focused as recruitment and particularly i mean very strong in the blue collar sort of segment yeah interestingly this year the group turns 40 years old and as the name would suggest ad corp it was advertising corporation so it was an advertising business when it originally started and so those original assets that were in the business um were 
obviously core from from the, as way back as 1975. And then when we started moving into the 2000s, I came from the training stroke recruitment background, and I wasn't an advertising guy, but it inherited these assets, and these assets were not growing. And so in 2006, so we started turning the business around in 2001. We had a couple of fantastic years um, through that, but the nagging question remained is what does advertising, public relations, graphic design, et cetera, have to do with recruitment and training? And we took that decision in 2006, and it was quite an emotional decision given that that was the history of the group. Sure. So it changed its tack totally, and at that stage as well in 2006, not only would we cite totally to focus on human capital management, but also to uh, go big in the blue-collar contracting space, which uh, at that stage was, it was, was a, a sort of a positive move because that's where we'd seen a lot of the growth taking place. But that, that decision was never more vindicated than in 2008 when we had the global financial crisis. And obviously that affected jobs right across the globe. And the one area that remained buoyant through that period was the blue-collar space. And I think that set us apart in this um, labor market in that everybody else was focusing very much in the white-collar mm-hmm. space, servicing the financial services market, which was the big casualty of the global financial crisis. And I think, you know, in, in business, there's, there's as much good luck needed as good management. And, and there was good luck that, that we came through that very strongly and, 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 and emerged as the leader in the South African market. Uh, post a very difficult economic time. But also you then, around that time, then have fingers pointed at you. The trade union movement takes one look at you and says, these aren't decent jobs, these aren't full-time jobs, these aren't, this isn't permanent employment. This is a way for corporate South Africa to, ex- to exploit the worker and here is the main catalyst of this evil practice and, and the company's name is Adcorp and it's uh, uh, and the, the worst guy of all is a guy called Richard Pike. Yeah, and no coincidence, the timing. Um, I, you know... Uh, date that all back to the global financial crisis because what happened in South Africa if you remember we didn't go into a, a very protracted or deep recession but we lost a million jobs in one year yeah. and and if you if you look at the jobs curve that, that's sort of indicative of a, a deep and long and protracted um, uh, recession but it wasn't the case and what we, we what, you know found is that a lot of people were using it as an opportunity to get rid of jobs and the only jobs that were growing were contracting and contracting jobs in sort of the 10 years from 2000 to to the end of that decade grew from a, a number of about one and a half million contract workers to about four million contract workers and what you found statistically a trade union member was someone who was permanently employed whereas a contractor statistically was someone who wasn't unionized. So we were a big threat to the union movement or perceived by by them. And their response was, well, let's ban the whole practice of contracting. And there was a time where it looked like it might even happen. It, it did, you know, and we, we had our backs to a wall. It really reached sort of crescendo kind of fever pitch at about 2011. And the the card that the reunions used, which I think in retrospect was probably the wrong card, is an emotive card. Exactly as you said, they tried to vilify us. They said that we were slave traders. This was modern day slavery. Um, and they wheeled out, you know, stories of exploitation by labor brokers. And sure, there were exploitative practices by labor brokers. And, uh, you know, I think in any industry arg- argument would be you do get rogue players. And, and, and this industry was no different, but it played a very important role in our response. And we had to sit down and say, how do we get a get a voice and and, and uh, we launched a thing called the AdCorp Employment Index which gave us a voice at that time and our response was to tackle it intellectually rather than emotionally and so we regaled the, the market with statistics about how successful we'd been at facilitating jobs and, and, and on a mass scale into this, this um, economy at a time where we were running an unemployment rate which uh, has not got any better but of no. 25% and so we were a major first time 
creator of, of or, or a, a creator of first-time jobs, um, people trying to get into the jobs market. We're a major training of people. We career path people. And so we believe we have a significant role to play in this economy. And, you know, around the issue of exploitation, our argument was that exploitation has got nothing to do with your contract of employment. It's got everything to do with the morality of your employer. And you get as many exploited permanent employees sure. as you do contract employees. And that was how we argued. The industry has shaken, been shaken out quite severely, though. I mean, you probably have been strengthened by the fact that there has been this wholesale attack. You were a primary target of those attacks. However, what it did was it caused many of your competitors to fall by the wayside. Yeah, you know what they say, doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. And I think <laughs> it forced us to relook at our strategy. And as I say, it was probably around about 2011. But I think there were two major forces at, at play. One was in the South African market. We were under attack. Uh, legislatively and from a regulatory point of view, but also the other major trend was procurement trends globally changed. Whereas originally the way that we sold our services, we would have a relationship with an HR guy or a line guy, and we would sell our services on that that basis. And there was a proliferation of agencies uh, like our own. Suddenly after 2008, there was a huge focus by many organizations on cost. So they used moved the whole procurement of staff into procurement departments. So we were uh, subjected to tenders and 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 what had, what it did is the the more sophisticated players, the bigger players, the players that had national footprints. So if you were tendering for a national client, you had to be able to service them across the country. Is it played into the hands of the big guys? And on a global scale, if you look what happened in this industry, the big got bigger. So the the big companies globally, Adeco is the biggest in the world, Runstat number two, Manpower number three. It played into their hands from the point of view that they had geographic reach across the world. Multinationals would put things out on tender. Uh, they were the only people able to respond. But what it also did is they were trading volume for price. So margins in this industry took quite a tumble uh, over a number of years until sort of water found its its level. Mm-hmm. But so so we, you know, our, our response, uh, we were quite quite bold and ambitious strategically in 2011 and said, how do we how do we respond to both of these? these trends. And we'll get on to that response in just a moment. Great. Somebody on Twitter called Espaza saying, does he, that's you, Richard yeah. Pike, uh, think South African companies are making good use of a contingent workforce looking at the telecom retrenchments currently? Probably not. And it's quite interesting. It's, it's horrible to generalize. There are some companies that do do it very well. Uh, there's some retailers that do it really well. Um, but I think as a generalization, probably not. You know, if you're using a contract worker for a full-time shift, in theory, they should be a permanent employee. But if you're using a permanent person who's not fully utilized, they should be a contingent worker. And that's where we work a lot with our clients to make sure that there's an optimal um, labor solution for each of those the, those businesses. But I think if I, if I had to benchmark us against some of our global peers, particularly the more developed markets of Europe and North America, I think we, 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 we've got a long way to go. Richard Pike is the chief executive of AdCorp. What happened in 2011? Tell you what happened. He went to the piggy bank. He found it was full of cash because the businesses that he runs generate lots of cash. And he went shopping. Not much shopping in South Africa, but certainly lots of shopping in Asia and in Australia. Tonight, shapeshifter. We might never get a shapeshifter again, producer, so sorry about this. But the AdCorp chief executive, Richard Pike, is in studio. I heard uh, an ad for the CEO Sleepout. You are a, yep, it says on your CV, a chief executive officer. I've looked on the CEO app, on the CEO Sleepout app. Your name's not on it. 
Bruce, you sound like our marketing department. They've been putting me under a lot of pressure to do it. <laughs> and uh, it is um, – certainly I, I am thinking about it. My issue is logistics. I have a diary from hell and I might be traveling next week. But if I'm not, I'm you sure You and Trevor Manuel. I try to get Trevor Manuel to come. <laughs> but if I'm not, I will be there on the side of the road. At so. what point will we know that you'll, you're committed? You'll, you'll know that on Tuesday. Okay, uh, no, we can wait till Tuesday. It's a, it's a public holiday, but we're working. We'll yeah. phone you on Tuesday. Good. Okay, good. Producers, yeah. phone him on Tuesday. Uh, Richard Pike, Chief Executive of Ad Corp, a little ambushing this evening, but mm-hmm. we want to get as many Chief Executives, and we'd love, we'd love to have you on, on the street with us, uh, joining the other 207 Chief Executives who've committed so far to the CEO Sleepout. 2011 happens, um, and you are facing possibly, and you don't know how this is going to play out, the biggest threat to your existence in history. Um, yeah. Government could go the way of the unions. I mean, it was a tough time. So yeah. you've got to re-strategize and rethink the way you're doing things. Yeah, um, very, very much so. You know, if you look at 2011, if you look at the profile of our business at that stage, uh, about 3% of our earnings were non-South African and about 20% of our earnings were non-labor broking. So we had our eggs in one basket and that basket was being threatened. So defensively, we recognized we had to diversify. So there was no doubt there was a defensive element to, to our move. But also there was an offensive move. And that, that trend that I talked about where uh, the big got bigger, the, the global mm. companies were dominating the world. What we found is where there were these guys I mentioned that dominated in North America and Europe is no one was dominating in Asia the way that they were in those developed markets. And Asia obviously is an emerging market similar to us and we'd had a lot of success in emerging markets. And we thought, well, why don't we go and look uh, at that as, as a space that we can play in? And we identified Africa, the Middle East and the Asia Pacific region, which included Australia as, as an area that we, we could play in and we believe we could be on an equal footing. Uh, and by doing so, by having that geographic graphic spread, not only was it a defensive diversification, but offensively, we were in quite a unique position to offer a global solution to clients that straddle those markets. And what we recognized then, there were quite big investment flows between Asia and Africa. So we could handhold some of those investors into the African market and provide them with a labor and a training solution. And um, it's been a, a fantastic ride since then. And I think the most exciting that this group has, has, has ever enjoyed to the extent that if you look at the profile of the group now, 45% of our earnings are non-South African. So Sorry, you've gone from 3% <laughs> in 2011 to 45%, 45, of your yeah. earnings, your profits. Yeah, are non-South African. And now, and, and I'm not negative about South African labor breaking. To the contrary, we're still very positive about it, but it's about 35% of our, our business. So the portion that potentially was under threat has now reduced to about 35%. So we, we're in a, a really good position. And, you know, the goals that we set ourselves of becoming a player of consequence focused in emerging markets, I think we've realized that to a large extent, but we've still got some way to go. Um, yeah, but your business must be considerably bigger. How much, you, I said you could take, yeah. you've gone shopping. How much yeah. money have you spent in the last four years? So, uh, sure, we've spent a good couple of billion uh, on acquisitions in Where Australia. Where does that come from? So we've raised money from shareholders. We've okay. raised debt. We've actually partnered in the Asia-Pacific region with Westpac, the bankers, and they've been fantastic, and they've supported us. That's we've, Gail Kelly, who's She's the now ex- left, though. Has know, she left? Yeah, no, she okay. resigned, yeah, oh, okay. or retired, should I say. Um, I mean, because she was a Ned She was a Ned South African, African. Yeah. 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 So they, I think she left in March, from, okay. from what I can remember. But um, So they've been fantastic, and uh, we just recently did an acquisition in Western Australia, which was $30 million, and we funded that entirely out of debt that was raised via Westpac, and 
so those kind of things become very accretive from, from an earnings point of view. But you look at the RAND. I mean, you're based in South Africa. You report in RANDs. And it's yeah. wonderful when you're making lots of money overseas, but you've got to pay for assets and you've got to declare those in RAND. Yeah. That adds to your debt burden, no doubt. It, it does. But we quite well hedged in that we're raising money in the jurisdictions that we're servicing it out of. So, so that's been important. And we're still on a capital raise um, a project we've we created an entity in Singapore, and that will be the ultimate holding company of all our non South African assets. But I mean, your life has changed so, fundamentally in four years. You've gone yeah, from being does. a CEO of a South African domestic company, yeah. company to being a CEO of a multinational. Yeah, it is a multinational. It is a multinational, and Bruce has been a hell of a ride, you know. And I uh, come back to living my life in these five year chunks, and this five year chunk I think has been the best of the of the three, you know, the, the, the third one that I'm currently in. So it's how been much, great. How much bigger is the business yeah. now? So the business since 2011 when we embarked on this, and interestingly at that stage we were turning over just over 4 billion, about 4.4 billion rand. We're now turning about 18 billion rand. So we're more than four times the size since 2011. So it's got considerably bigger. So not only did we get not get banned, we 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 bigger, we stronger, we more diversified, and we far more valuable as an asset. And you've de-risked the business considerably by taking your business overseas. Yeah, and 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 it's um, also much better positioned, you know, from a point of view, as I say, to be able to service global clients. And we've selected certain industry verticals where we've got special specialization. You know, when we moved into the rest of Africa, and we're in about eleven African countries, we focused predominantly on oil and gas. And it it almost the oil and gas happened later. We went into Africa and we found oil and gas clients. And uh, you know, if you think about a a lot of those clients, a lot of them are American companies, Australian companies and the like. We're now in a unique position to service them over basically all of their operations globally. And that's a, a unique position to be in. A lot of people get gloomy about South Africa. They get gloomy about the future. You would possibly have been in that space. But you took had a look at the, at the picture and you said, don't like the way this picture is evolving. Let's take proactive action. You could have done it in any one of a thousand ways. This is the course of action you've pursued, and as a result, you've got a business four point something times bigger than you did four yeah. years ago. But, you know, I also want to make the point, we're not turning our back on South Africa. It's still been yeah. a really good market for us. You know, we recently released our annual results about a week or so ago. And if you look at those results, our South African blue-collar business grew organically by 18%. So still huge demand. So, so it's great demand. So we're growing well, and it's not because the labor market's growing. I'm quite pessimistic about that. Sure. But our positioning within the labor market and our ability to take market share and to, to, to come up with new solutions for clients, that's been very, very positive. And, you know, I also think being in the South African market, it makes you innovative. You have to come up with solutions. And, and, and we've had to be very reactive to what's happened from a regulatory and legislative point of view. But a lot of those ideas and solutions are exportable. And um, we've done some wonderful work in strange parts of Mozambique and the like. And so it's been, it's, you know, it's been great for the group, I think. As always, I wish we had more time, but Richard Pike, the chief executive of AdCorp, uh, the rapidly expanding AdCorp, <laughs> two or four years ago, it was a quarter of its current size. A little bit of local pressure lit a fire under AdCorp. And look at the result of that. Richard Pike, thank you. Thanks, Bruce.